0: Digital transformation not only has to propel business strategy and business uh, mission but it has to start with clients but at the same time we also need to transform the core. I think that's the important thing in digital transformation you can't just do the front end as an example in an experience or in a servicing call we need to make sure that the back end of the core processes the the legacy systems, the middleware, they all need to modernize because otherwise you might create um, short-term impact and delight, but it's not a sustainable impact and delight. Obviously, we are also a highly regulated industry, and so we have to keep in mind a number of regulations as we do so. Risk is front and center of some of this, so client first, And technology modernization with a digital-first cultural mindset really helps.
1: That's Sastri Durvasala, the Chief Information and Client Services Officer at TIAA.
0: TIAA has been in business for more than a century. We were founded by Andrew Carnegie when he realized that people who serve others don't have retirement privileges like most others do so he wanted to make sure that we create a dignified retirement for teachers especially focusing on higher education and since then we've reimagined ourselves reinvented ourselves uh, in you know over the several decades that we've gone through uh, to serve beyond higher education so now we serve um, healthcare number of nonprofits uh, and other institutions that serve others so our primary focus is you know providing retirement solutions uh, while investing to make the world better so on our asset management side you know we're very active you know with investments that actually make the world better uh, especially you know in climate and ESG etc
1: and you have an, an enormous amount it's like 1.3 1.4 trillion dollars of assets under management.
0: That's right. So we manage over one point three trillion dollars of assets, uh, you know, in, in our business, and uh, you know, serve millions of participants. So if you think about our our clients uh, or customers, it's, it's the institutions that we work with. They are the plan sponsors. It's the participants, which are millions. You know, whether you're a professor or an administrative staff in a university or healthcare facility it's the various um, sponsors and partners that we work with and obviously a lot of institutional clients in our asset management so it's a wide variety of you know clients that we work with
1: you are the chief information and client services offers officer at TIAA it's an unusual role so tell us about that
0: it's a combination of our global technology organization which is a you know more or less a classic you know Head of Technology for uh, a firm of our size. Uh, you know, we are a Fortune 100 company. It's a pretty large undertaking. Uh, but I also have responsibility for client services, and and the and, and and that starts with you know caring for our clients in the front line to a, a number of middle office operations and then back office operations, plus our business services that we provide in the back end across the enterprise. So, um, you know, we have. Uh, our my organization is almost sixty percent of the colleagues of of the firm, so it, beyond like technology and serving our clients, it's also uh, a big leadership obligation for me to serve our own colleagues that are serving the clients.
1: What does digital transformation actually mean for TIAA for for such a big company that has been around for a century?
0: Digital transformation in a hundred year old. is almost a privilege to be part of, uh, and it's it's, it's a very complex thing to do. So there is a lot of theory on this subject, but you wouldn't be talking, as an example, digital transformation for a digital native business, right? So at TIA, as we look at digital transformation, similar to my uh, previous um, roles, we look at digital transformation on, I would say, primarily four legs of a stool. So the first leg is the business strategy business mission business purpose itself which obviously i touched briefly you know when i talked about andrew carnegie's vision when when he founded uh, tia and how we progressed since then the second is our clients which i also touched on you know the types of clients that we uh, we serve you know as as i think about our clients we serve not only a range of clients and cus- customers and participants and client sponsors but also we serve different generations of our of our clients. So participants, you know, who are just starting to accumulate for their retirement to participants who have retired and who are accumulating, you know, their retirement savings uh, for lifetime income. So, So the second segment really is, you know, focusing on digital transformation on how we service these clients, how we create experiences for the clients, how we are obsessed with the products for these clients. So that's the second leg. The third leg is technology. Obviously, a lot of the digital transformation is being propelled and leapfrogged by technology, which is obviously changing at a much rapid pace than we've seen before. So how do we keep up with technology and modernize our technology and focus on data and how we use the data to personalize some of these services? The last leg is what I would call the you know process, people, and culture which is the toughest leg, you know, especially when you look at a company that has a long heritage and a lot of pride in what we do. Sometimes we have to learn new things. Sometimes we have to unlearn certain things. So I think there's a lot of focus on people, process and culture. So when I think about digital transformation in a hundred year old company, it cuts across all these legs and each leg is independently pretty important and collectively, you know, there's a lot of dependencies also across these legs.
1: Your chief information and client services officer, where does that role fit into this digital transformation framework?
0: My team is serving the clients on the front line. My team is handling requests when we when they make decisions to distribute um, or, you know, different servicing requests or complaints that they have and, you know, things that need to be resolved to help them, you know, in our, in our advisory solutions. So that's the second leg I referenced. Technology, obviously, is part and parcel of everything we need to do at this point, and we have been doing. So that's the third leg in my four legs, and I'm responsible for leading that globally. And, and my team is in the front line of that. Then, of course, people, you know, process and culture, as I referenced, you know, I also have a large colleague organization that is over 50%, 60% actually, to be precise, of our firm. So there is a lot of cultural transformation and talent transformation and processes That need to be changed and I call this simply put transform the core and then of course all these three legs are there to actually propel you know our mission our business strategy so at a higher level the way we describe our business strategy is we want to be a leader in lifetime income we want to delight our clients and we want to strengthen how we operate as we think about TIA 2.0 and all these four legs are quite important actually to enable that, and obviously my team plays an integral role across all these four legs.
1: So you've described both the people aspect as well and the and the culture, as well as the technology. What's the interplay? I think that's that's a point when when we talk about digital transformation yeah. that can be kind of confusing. You know, which came first, the the culture or the technology? What's driving all of this?
0: It's important to recognize that you not only want to transform the technology and the core, but you want to, more importantly, create impact for your clients and delight the clients. So I think um, one, um, frankly, advantage I have in my role is that the biggest users of whatever we build for technology are also part of the organization in our client services. So they are the ones who are actually taking the phone call, they are the ones handing requests from our clients. So, how do we create solutions? I'll give one example to illustrate the point. So, we're working on a lot of AI and database hyper personalization solutions for our clients. But when it actually, when the rubber needs to hit the road, it comes to our client services. So, when a call comes in from a participant or a request comes in from a participant that we need to handle, how do we enrich the experience? How do we create intelligent automation so that we can actually advise the client in a very different way? So, I think, you know, we've been... You know, working on like uh, you know uh, client service transcripts as an example, and how do we put intelligent automation and AI-based solutions in our voice response units? So it really takes what we actually build in technologies into action through our client services, and having that very integrated organization and, and proximity to each other. Most of our hubs, also Michael, like where we have hubs both in the United States and and in, in our global locations. My technology teams and client services teams are actually working together in these hubs. So, if you think about like development of solutions, we could not only develop and test them, but we could actually try them in a beta version with our client services colleagues, because as, you know, as, as they're in, in close proximity, both organizationally and physically.
1: You're beginning with the business problems, challenges that you're trying to address, and then you're weaving in technology to support that. Am, am I interpreting this in the right way?
0: Absolutely. I think we start with our client first, right? So that's, I mean, digital transformation not only has to propel business strategy and business uh, mission, but it has to start with clients. And the fact that We have the client on the call pretty much, you know, and and we have requests from clients. We understand their experiential needs as they come to our digital channels, and we're putting a lot of emphasis uh, there. So, I think that is really the starting point, and then we work from there. But at the same time, we also need to transform the core. I think that's the important thing in digital transformation. You know, you can't just do the front end as an example in an experience or in a servicing call. We need to make sure that the back end of the core processes, the, the legacy systems, the middleware, they all need to modernize. Because otherwise, you might create um, short-term impact and delight, but it's not a sustainable impact and delight. So, I think, you know, while we are focused on working on some of the, loosely speaking, front-end experiences and problems, we are also working on some more complex backend uh systems and processes and culture, obviously we are also highly regulated industry, and so we have to keep in mind a number of regulations as we do so, make sure that we are making sure that you know risk is front and center of some of this so and that's where I think you know having this integrated approach to you know client first and technology modernization with a digital first cultural mindset really helps in a complex uh, firm as i referenced before you know a lot of the issues frankly that we deal with in our organization and more broadly across tia are pretty unique to our industry but also equally unique to a 100 year old company right that if you look at any different vintage some of these issues may not exist so i think you know frankly that's what makes my role uh, interesting and and uh, I think I kind of dig that type of you know, challenges as a leader, and my leadership team is also quite excited about that.
1: Please subscribe to our newsletter. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website, and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Sastri, you just mentioned risk. You mentioned avoiding risk and the fact that you are financial services, a regulated industry. And so, how do you reconcile this notion of digital transformation, which implies significant change, with the fact that we don't want to disrupt what we're doing? So, you know, as human beings, we want to keep things as they are, but we also want things to change simultaneously. And again, you're in a regulated business, so you have to be very careful about this. So, how do you manage this?
0: When I laid out the, let's just say, the mission statement for uh, my strategy and for my organization and um, at TIA as I came in, it reads, power the business strategic shifts and fuel innovation while transforming the core. So, I think it's very important to recognize that the while part is a very Mission critical, um, you know, aspect of this of this strategy. So, the way we think about it is, it's a two-speed lane. So, there is innovation that has to happen, uh, especially driven by you know the the customers and the clients that we talked about earlier, because the demands are changing, you know, the experiential uh, needs are changing. Um, And and the products are also changing in financial services, you know, with the emergence of new innovative products, new types of assets, et cetera, you know, asset classes. So, frankly, the risk portfolio itself is changing from a customer perspective. So, we need to keep up with that and actually innovate on it and and enrich the experience. And the regulations are also changing. The regulations are actually opening it more because lifetime income and retirement for um, all is a core obligation at this point, And that's being widely discussed. So I think there is also positive regulations actually coming to promote and foster that. And we are part and parcel of that, obviously, having been, frankly, one of the founding fathers in this industry, you know, in its space, right? Um, so while we propel our impact, um, you know, to our clients and participants and leverage the regulatory um, demands that are coming in a positive way. We also have to balance, as you rightfully said, the risk side of the house. So that's why I think strengthening our data ecosystem, uh, making sure that we have full business resiliency in our systems, making sure that systems are managed in a componentized way so that we are not touching some of the parts that we don't need to touch whenever we make an experience change. So, like, we are focused on APIs, microservices. You know, some of the solutions that we are doing really try to decouple in a way that, you know, you're dependent on the back-end monoliths that we still have to transform. You know, we obviously, like every other 100-year-old company, we still have mainframe computing. So, we need to make sure that those things are managed carefully. Uh, at the same time, we need to... Enable some of the use cases and impact more, 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 more quickly. So that's where I think you know our approach is a two-speed approach that helps you know in the way we think about digital transformation.
1: On LinkedIn, David Layton wants to know how you're leveraging container technology.
0: The technology leg, if you ask me, like the, the the tenets of our transformation, it starts with the cloud first. It starts with digital first. It's it's API driven. It's data powered, and it's secure by design. So by default, we want to make sure that all of our applications are containerized. Obviously, it's a journey, and, and you know it's going to be a multi-cloud environment. It's 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 both public and private. You know, in a hybrid cloud construct, but uh, that is a big focus. So we are looking at every application, making sure that you know we're re- we're assessing the readiness level. We're making some headways. Obviously, it also comes down to prioritization. So we are looking at the applications that delight the clients as a priority. Our products that we are innovating, you know, to some of the demands that I mentioned earlier in retirement or asset management, as a priority, and then we work backwards and identify the applications that need to be containerized. But that's definitely, and I call it, you know, and with my own team, I call it the Cadburys, you know, like a <laughs> cloud APIs, data and digital uh, as a focus. So that's definitely front and center of our technology transformation.
1: We have a question from Arsalan Khan, who's a regular listener, and he asks really good questions. And he, he says, digital transformation is about changing how organizations do things. This requires culture change, as, as you mentioned earlier. And his question is, what role does politics play in this resistance to changing culture?
0: When you think about a large organization, you have different business units. Uh, in our case, you know, retirement, asset management, wealth management, and there's a number of other, you know, subsidiaries. So, yes, there are always silos because a lot of the systems that have been built or processes have been built, you know, have been built over time. And especially when you do, you know, major M&A activities, you know, new companies come in with their own subcultures. So cultural transformation is the toughest nut to crack. And 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 I always um, look at the purpose. So what happens is, if you're if you're sold on the purpose, if you're sold on the mission, and you're a colleague in this firm because you're driven by that mission, then everything aligns. So I think reminding the north star to colleagues when there is a point of conflict or gray areas where you know people are stepping on each other's toes or. People are worried about, you know, I mean, when you try to think about intelligent automation and some of these, you know, digitization, there is also questions on job security, etc. So, how do you foster learning as part of the culture? How do you give opportunities? As an example, I'll give you this. uh, Like, we have a partnership with NYU Tandon uh, School of Engineering, and where we're sponsoring you know, a graduate program in cybersecurity. So, if I am a client services associate or if I am, you know, part of a different organization and want to upskill myself because I have a lot of risk interest and background, um, the colleague can actually can go to, you know, NYU and, and, and get to experience this certification. So, we've actually, right now, I think we have over 45 colleagues uh, who are going through this program and I'm quite excited. And we are forging similar relationships with a number of nonprofits, uh, you know, uh, companies and nonprofits that are focused on you know uh, underrepresented uh, uh, talent and opening up you know opportunities for them. So I think as and we also created a virtual guild network um, across the firm where you know people can major in on a role and minor in on something you know different that they're learning. So the minute you open up. Uh, you know, a little bit, I think culture uh, slowly uh, elevates by itself. I, of course, it's the hardest not to crack, but, but I think it's, that's what actually, frankly, makes the interesting, you know, problem here, right, to solve.
1: And it sounds like you are investing a great deal of time, effort, money, thought, thinking into this culture, cultural transformation aspect.
0: It's a very big priority for me. In fact, I just hired a leader on my leadership team, uh, Taisha Smith, who's focused on technology partnerships, acceleration, and culture. Uh, and, And that's a big focus for us. Uh, we also have equal focus on you know client experience as an example. You know we've been hiring talent to lead this, and you know there's a lot of partnerships so that we can actually give you know opportunities for our colleagues and kind of break the silos. Data is the other one. You know as as always, you know data silos have existed in every firm, and, and we are not an exception. So I have a chief data and AI officer that's coming on board who's going to focus on like creating that enterprise data ecosystem. So. Culturally, um, you know, I feel like North Star is always a good reminder and immediate impact. So when people actually see something that is changing the experience or impact for customers and clients, then they believe that, okay, we are making progress. And then they're given opportunities to collaborate and learn and upskill themselves. And they're part of the new. They're not part of the legacy. Things open up.
1: Can you elaborate on the relationship between uh, the the need for breaking down data silos and digital transformation and also how you go about dealing with this issue?
0: If you think about client-obsessed products and experiences, think about hyper-personalization, think about tailor-made solutions for different generations of clients that we we work with, it has to be an integrated data set in the back end. Um, So, we need to understand the clients and customers and participants, plan sponsors at a very deep level. And the fortune that we have is, you know, we do have a lot of uh, rich data on our participants to be able to advise them and but a lot of the processes are are manual and have been manual so we want to really integrate them in a way that the data is not only integrated but the capabilities that are built on top of the data to personalize the experiences to enrich um, you know those services and offerings and and to help the the clients in a different way especially in our client services i think you know the use cases that we are thinking about are obviously driving that but we also have a top down mandate that we we're going to have a data-first and uh, an integrated data-first uh, mindset as we progress our transformation agenda here.
1: And we have another very interesting question that's come in from uh, Luis H. Gomez who is the senior vice president of digital product management at Martian McLennan. And he says, where do you see the industry heading in the next three to five years? And I'm going to narrow the, ask you to narrow that down a little bit, basically to talk about where does digital transformation evolve to, whether it's inside TIAA or or more broadly.
0: If we sit here and I look back like a decade, things that were Considered emerging and cutting edge and bleeding edge ten years ago, that are not only mainstream, but we don't even consider them as novelty anymore, right? So I think if you think about the next ten years, there is a lot of change happening in front of us right now. Obviously, AI is fully mainstream. It's not a theoretical subject anymore. It, there are applied AI use cases that are happening. Social media is changing in front of us uh, with the advent of the metaverses of the world and technology is changing quite a bit with quantum on the rise and you know there's discussion widely on quantum supremacy and what what would the world look like you know when the quantum computer actually can enable use cases that were not even thought about as a possibility remotely right so you know real time streaming iot you know a lot of the things that are changing in front of us coupled with the digital economy that we are living in at this point and new types of businesses coming in with customer expectations changing and obviously we see that in, in front of us in our especially in our client services. You know, we serve clients, as I said, who are early accumulators and we serve clients who are decumulating in our in our in our lexicon. So I think the needs are different. You know, uh, there are clients that are are served on a mobile device today, and there are clients that would still prefer, like, a phone conversation with someone or actually in-person conversation. So, I think digital transformation, if I think about three years from now, it's obviously more than two years and less than 10 years. I think we will see a different world. It may not be dramatically different uh, from the experiences today, but it would be dramatically different in its ambition towards the next. So, I think if you're in a, let's say, 2.0 state... The 3.0 is where we will be heading.
1: And we have another question from Twitter. And this is from Elizabeth Shaw. And she wants to know uh, further into this relationship between the client experience and digital transformation. And and I also think that this is an extremely important topic because we often talk about, uh, more broadly, customer experience and digital transformation. So, tell us about client experience and digital transformation.
0: We recently hired Jessica Barker as our Chief Digital Client Experience Officer, uh, and who's who's on the executive committee of TIA. And 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 the focus is really, and my team collaborates very closely with Jessica and team. And the focus is, you know, how do we make sure that the digital experiences that our clients are experiencing are simplified, right, and in, and intuitive uh, to a point where. Because we're talking about something as complex and complicated as retirement and financial planning. And the literacy of our participants is quite varied, right? Just like the questions we are getting here. You know, there are questions on one end of the pool and there are questions on the deep end of the pool. So I think the financial literacy, how do you actually create calculators uh, type solutions where people can work with? And we are equally focused on, um, you know, Underrepresented uh, and and minority. So, we just uh, launched um, Retire uh, Inequality as a major program and focus for the firm. And, you know, for example, uh, it's proven that women have, women retire with 30% less uh, compared to men. So, how do you create solutions and experiences to help women? Uh, and the underrepresented you know, minorities to retire with lifetime income. So I think focus on experience, focus on tailoring the solutions, focusing, focusing on the segments, focusing on personalization is front and center uh, for digital transformation. Obviously, it relies quite heavily on technology and data and process and culture we talked about, but that's uh, absolutely an important element of digital transformation.
1: Also, if I can read between the lines, something that you're emphasizing here is that the digital transformation is not primarily focused on efficiency. In other words, it's not about just uh, adding to the bottom line, even though ultimately I'm sure you hope that that is the case, but it's much broader than that.
0: It's both. Digital transformation is for client experience. Digital transformation is to serve clients better. Digital transformation is to drive... Revenue growth, digital transformation is to propel digital native businesses that were not possible before. But when you look at the last leg of process and you know, manual uh, systems and silos of data, etc., there is absolutely no question that there is efficiencies to be gained to reinvest those efficiencies in everything that we want to do to delight our clients. So I think there is an obligation to drive efficiencies and there is an opportunity to do so. It is obviously not the only reason why we would do digital transformation, but I think it's an important element uh, to recognize because it also creates reinvestment opportunity for our technology and client services investments as we invest in the future.
1: And Arsalan says, how do you encourage your employees all the way through to your ecosystem – your partners, your vendors, and so forth – to be more innovative towards digital transformation. And If I can just say more broadly so, – so, we have the ecosystem question – but then, more broadly, what is the role of innovation in digital transformation?
0: we believe in best-of-breed ecosystem. So, you know, obviously, a lot of the systems were built, processes were built, products were built over time. So our approach is to, as we look at uh, opening the canvas and repainting on some of these, we want to make sure that we have a best-of-breed ecosystem approach on that. In terms of the innovation culture and innovation capabilities, uh, so we have um, a a client tech labs in our environment that we've deployed, That is focused on creating innovative solutions, giving opportunities to crowdsource those ideas, you know, to our colleagues. As an example, we have uh, almost 100 interns that were interning, you know, for the summer with us, Uh, obviously, you know, with the proximity we have to universities who are Clients of us, you know, we really invest a lot in in, in these summer programs. So when the interns joined, we've given them the access to our client tech labs where they can come up with ideas and solutions and actually create them hands-on with our colleagues. Of course, you know, as we think about best-of-breed ecosystem, we are also uh, relying on some of the partners that we work with, be it the cloud providers or AI solution providers or Tool providers or nonprofits that we're, you know, working with, you know, to bring that, um, you know, culture into it, so that um, you know, as I loosely say, bring the East and West together, you know, the, the Silicon Valley type culture into the teams where they can they can uh, drive the innovation. And as I referenced, you know, we also have the guild network where, you know, we can focus on majoring in on a role and minoring in on opportunities. So I think, you know, we're I would say we're we're in the beginnings. Um so I won't Declare victory, but I think we are definitely on a right path, and you know we have some pattern recognition from uh, ex- my own experience and you know other other people I referenced who are joining the team and and industry experts that we have within our retirement services asset management business in, in our in our own firm
1: and so this is from Ram Chapuri, and he says. Sastri, thanks for sharing your perspectives on digital transformation. Would you mind sharing thoughts on how to to perceive the digital-first approach given the diverse participants and the broad demographics? You alluded several times to this very broad audience. So, how do you manage a digital-first approach with such a broad group?
0: I do a lot of side by sides, and a lot of my leadership team does the same thing. You know, when we experience what the client or participant in our case is experiencing. So, you know, we receive uh, requests where, like I said, you know, in, an in person advice is needed. We receive requests where they don't want anybody, they just want to deal with the press of you know, a, a tab on a, on a mobile phone and, and the click of a button, they want to get things done. And the needs are also quite different based on the products that we're offering, right? So, that's where I think the the personalization really kicks in. So, you need to understand your customer. In our case, it's the participant, as an example. Um, and, And how do you actually offer solutions that are not like, okay, this is what we offer when we say digital? Because the participant may not even have a computer at home. Uh, you know, on one side of the spectrum, and then we have participants who are on the fly, you know, on the road, and they want to like get things done quickly, and they're planning for the future. So, we think about this segmentation strategy very seriously, and then personalizing it from there within the segments based on uh, the data we have. The one advantage we have, uh, which is also a disadvantage uh, for us, is we are talking retirement planning here, so it is a long-term subject right so we have a deeper understanding of our participants and as they are growing in their careers and in their lives we also have understanding of what's happening uh so which which actually gives us the opportunity to analyze the data and personalize those experiences the disadvantage that we have is it's not a topic like payments or you know other things that i talk about where you know you're thinking about it every day every second or every every other day like a banking transaction so we need to be front and center we need to have the mind share of our participants and customers but we also have to make use of the lesser number of interactions that we have in a very deep and meaningful way so that's where i think the science and the art of this comes in
1: if a company is doing well their customers and clients are happy they're making money why should a why should that company undertake any type of disruptive change such as digital transformation at all? Why not just leave it alone and let the business run?
0: Being a hundred-year-old company and, you know, Andrew Carnegie's ambition was to serve and serve people who serve. And we've reinvented a number of times in these hundred years. We've reimagined a number of times we've gone through major disruptions, you know, uh, with the advent of different types of transformations that took place uh, in the last century. So, digital transformation, you know, happens to be the subject today. And and I think you know a decade from now there may be a different transformation that we will have to go through as we think about our solutions and services and products. Of course, digital hopefully by then becomes nature of how we do the business. Uh, so I think you know it's important to. To not only modernize the core because it is important to be relevant as a business, but more importantly, it is just part of the evolution of a company of our size and, and stature and impact in, you know like for example, ESG is a classic you know uh, area right of our focus, which was not a focus for a lot of the firms. We were one of the pioneers. we were actually recognized as a leader uh, in that space even before ESG was like a mainstream topic. That's because we were trying to reimagine the future. So I think that's going to be a continued focus, Michael. And, and uh, frankly, that's what, frankly, keeps these types of uh, firms apart from others, right?
1: Diversity, equity, and inclusion, D, E, and I. Can you can you talk about that and intersect that also with digital transformation?
0: It's an important focus for our company top to, you know, bottom. I think it's it's a top-down mandate. We have a very diverse executive team to begin with. Uh, with a very uh, focused uh, CEO, so it's a top-down mandate for us. And as I said, you know, we launched Retired Inequality to help, and we've actually engaged a number of leaders in the industry, be it celebrities or athletes or you know, econometricians or academia. You know, I think that's a big focus for us. And and personally, um, you know, my last session with you was actually on diversity in technology. So you know, I'm personally passionate about this, myself serving, you know, on the other side of the hat that I have as a board member and and one of the, you know, um, big advocates for uh, diversity women, uh, gender diversity in technology. So, I think it's a big focus for us. And it also, no question, it is a business imperative, right? So, I think we want to serve uh, and we want to provide lifetime income for all. The all matters a lot. So, I think, you know, if I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's important for the business. It's important for the clients, but uh, frankly, it's very important for me as a leader of technology and client services because we want to include the talent that can innovate and you know envision those solutions uh, and and create a very uh, open you know playing field.
1: What advice do you have for business leaders who are undergoing digital transformation in their own organizations and they're? Struggling. I mean, I think we've we've all seen companies where the the, the, the dis, disruption of themselves sounds good on paper, but when it hits the road, the rubber hits the road. Changing compensation structures and incentives and everything else is just so hard. And it's like we, yeah, we want to innovate, but you know what? We really don't want to innovate. What 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 advice do you have for these folks?
0: I always say, stay optimistic because it will not be easy. And there will be days where you feel like you made a mile progress and 10 miles backwards. Uh, so I think staying optimistic is a very important leadership attribute because the teams, especially if you're a business leader, the organization needs to see that you're committed with, you know, you have the conviction and you're optimistic. Stay curious because things are changing. So I think, you know, as, as there's nothing that would compensate knowledge in this area, right? So the more people learn, The more people upskill leaders, um, you know, business, technology, et cetera, the more you feel like you're equipped to handle some of these complex and tough problems as you navigate through execution. Uh, And then stay persistent. I think, you know, when the going gets tough, get going, right? I mean, this is a very tough one, but, you know, I think the world has gone through a number of these transformations. So if you're starting or if you're in the middle, stay at it. Uh, and, and, you know, yes, there's going to be prioritization questions, et cetera, you know, board mandates and, you know, shareholder mandates, you know, investor pressure, you know, financial outlooks changing, economy changing. I mean, all these things will stay. So you need to modulate, uh, you know, how you, how you drive this. But I think the, the mission has to be there as the core.
1: And what do you do if you're a business leader and you have been tasked with driving transformation and it just becomes clear that the organization does not want to transform, they do not want to disrupt the relationships, the ecosystems, the balances of power, and so forth? What do you do if you're in that situation?
0: Bring the North Star. Right, which is, I mean, people in a large organization are in that firm because they believe fundamentally in that mission and purpose of the firm. In our case, of course, we have a very noble cause that the company started with and that we are at it. So, I always bring the North Star. So, if you're bought into the North Star, do you think that we can navigate this speed bump that we have in front of us? I think that's one. The second thing I also say is, in terms of learning, nothing is better than reverse mentoring in the current space so i do a lot of that so if you're a senior leader you know who's at a stage of life and you know you've seen a lot of career you know talk to people not only to mentor them but also be a reverse mentor talk to like have four or five gen z's who are mentoring you because their experience is is what you're building you know for right so how do you engage in a conversation where you're the learner uh, you know, I think that really helps. And you engage them and you also encourage your colleagues to do the same. Right? I think then people, you know, like, you know, a lot of my colleagues, you know, talk to their kids about their experiences, right? I think it really helps to open that, you know, uh, conversation in a different way.
1: Very inspiring advice. and And with that, we're unfortunately... Out of time. So, a huge thank you to Sastri Durvasala from TIAA. Thank you again for taking the time with us and sharing your your expertise and your wisdom.
0: Great pleasure. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me.
1: And everybody, thank you for watching, especially all those folks who ask such amazing questions. You are just the best audience. So, thank you so much for watching and participating. Before you go, please subscribe to our newsletter. Hit the subscribe button at the top of our website and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to CXOTalk.com to check out upcoming shows. We're a little slower in the summer over the next few weeks, but we have amazing guests that are coming up. And we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. And uh, thanks for watching.